Good afternoon. It is December 2nd, and you are listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat is still down in Orlando getting a bunch of physicals and a series of tests done on him as he prepares for War Games this Sunday for NXT. But once again, we still have a great show for you today. A couple of incredible conversations. Kirk Cousins, Mark Schlereth, and AJ Hawk all join the show, and we will preview the Steelers-Ravens game, which is probably about quarter in at this point. So without further ado, let's get into it. We got Kirk Cousins joining us today in about 20 minutes. If I die, I die. I cannot wait to chat with him. This will be the first time I've ever talked to him ever. Not real life. Uh, uh, social media. Now we're going right. I cannot wait to chat with this man. Last year, primetime Kirk Cousins was born in down in Jerry World when they got a big win. Then he beats the Saints in the playoff. Kyle Rudolph just shoved the guy and scored a touchdown <laughs> to beat the Saints down there. They inevitably lose in the NFC playoffs, but they had a hell of a run this year. Are they getting hot right now? They can still make a go and have a go at this thing, especially with the way the NFL is potentially shaping out to have a 16-team playoff if the COVID continues to run wild on the NFL. Speaking of running wild on the NFL, we have a Pittsburgh Steeler-Baltimore Raven matchup in Pittsburgh at 3.40 p.m. today. This show is a beautiful kickoff show for that. We'll have Mark Schlereth joining us in the third hour, A.J. Hawk. Your phone call is one 888 Mad Dog Six <laughs> on the line here at Sirius XM Channel 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Uh, at Tone Diggs, diehard Steelers fan, always have been. 340 game, playing the Ravens, 10-point favorites. How do you feel going into this thing as a Steelers fan? I just can't wait to get this godforsaken game over with. I mean, I mean, it's been it's been a long, treacherous week waiting for this game. Uh, I know there's it's a lose-lose again for the Steelers. If they don't win by 40, everyone's going to talk about how worst undefeated team of all time. They still haven't played any. Bloody fucking blah. Who cares? 11-0. We'll move on to next week. I mean, they're, they're sitting out Dobbins and Ingram so that they can have more excuses as to why it wasn't a close game. I just can't, I can't wait to be done with the fucking Ravens. Okay, so it's interesting that you think that because I wonder if the Steelers players are thinking that as well. Like This game's supposed to be Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Now we're on Wednesday. We're at 340 because a goddamn Christmas tree has to get lit over there in New York. <laughs> I mean, the players for the Steelers, they have to be fed up with this as well, by the way. And after they play this game at 340, they're right back to work tomorrow because they have a game on Monday. I mean, it's just it's a very interesting – if you got, try to dig into the mind of the Steelers players at this point, I feel like they probably feel the exact same way you do as like, all right, we got to – I mean, let's just get this goddamn game over with at this point. But they're playing against a team that is no joke. In the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers always play a good game. Uh-huh. Hardball's going to have the boys ready. Tom and I assume is going to have the boys ready. There's been a lot of adversity in both of these camps coming into this Wednesday 340 game, and I am excited for it. I like a good afternoon game, especially because NXT is tonight, and there was <laughs> no thought of Roger Goodell wanting to go head-to-head with WWE NXT USA Network Channel USA Network, 8 o'clock. Uh, 340 game on a Wednesday at Boston Connor. How do you feel about this? This is something I feel like is probably right down your your lane here because you're never going to be a guy that's going to have a 9-to-5 job. So no. mid-afternoon might as well be 7 p.m. anyways. Right? I cannot wait, Pat. This 340 game. Oh, my game. God. You look <laughs> fucking absurd. Hold on, hold on. For those that aren't watching and only listening, 
This is the most absurd I've seen this guy look in a long, long time. He has the dumbest glasses I've ever seen in my entire life on his face, but he is wearing a Pittsburgh hat. Does that mean you're pulling for the Steelers? And tell me more about this 340 game. Yeah, I'm pulling for the Steelers. The Ravens are out here disrespecting the Shield. If you're pulling for the Ravens and you live outside Baltimore, do you even care about the NFL? And let's remember, Timmy the Arrow Pelissaro told us yesterday, (laughs) this isn't just a 340 game on a Wednesday that's never going to happen again, people. This is a test run. We might be having 340 Wednesday games five years from now. And when you're five years from now, ten years from now, watching football on a Wednesday, you're going to think back to this Raven-Steelers game. The game that you'll never forget. That was the first kickoff ever at Wednesday at a 340. And we're going to love every single second of it, Pat. Okay, I like that. I will love every single second of it. I am pumped up about your enthusiasm about it and even predicting that 10 years down the road this is going to be a normal thing. I'll be intrigued to see how they'll make this work uh, because with games being on Sundays, uh, the turnaround for a Wednesday game would be very difficult. So the schedule makers, maybe you go Thursday night football game into a Wednesday game into your bye week after that. That's the only way it would really be able to work because whenever we're talking about uh, Wednesday games and Thursday games. And the reason why we're here is because players' health is paramount. It's like, well, Wednesday games are not good for players' health. I mean, there's not a lot of turnaround time there. Uh, who knows what's going to happen after Sunday games, especially later in the season. So if this does become something that is the norm moving forward, and I'm not saying every single week, but you could take one of those shitty games that happen at 1 o'clock on Sunday that kind of get buried in the thing, move it to Wednesday in the afternoon. Maybe yep. I think a lot mm-hmm. of us will appreciate it. Maybe a lot of people who are working from home, maybe for the next five years, because that's the world we're living in, will appreciate it. I think you're onto something a little bit, Connor. I do believe what the arrow Pelissero told us uh, about the NFL watching this scene, how it goes will be good. But this is, this is a primetime game that's happening at 340. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if the NFL is going to continue to put two top teams in their division in the middle of the, the week, but I'll be intrigued to see how the ratings do and, uh, at Ty Schmidt, we know that the Baltimore Ravens have a guy that moves the needle playing quarterback over there. How do you think RG Triple Sticks return to start and uh uh, to start him is going to go. Yeah, I mean, this just feels like a Bob Griffin triple sticks kind of night. You mentioned it, 340 game. He loved those in Waco at Baylor. <laughs> I mean, he thrived in those. If he goes out there and lights up the scoreboard tonight, you have to maybe even wonder, like, hey, dude, the Ravens put Lamar Jackson on ice and stick with triple sticks here down the stretch run, uh, you know, as they make a push towards the playoffs. Yeah, because, you know, RG, Bob Bob Griffin triple sticks, as you call him, mm-hmm. obviously, Ty. Ty, we're one of the biggest, most supportive groups of Robert Griffin III, I think, maybe in the country. Oh, we're yeah. We're big RG3 fans. We have an entire tribute to his statue down there in Waco that Foxy put together. Um, he came out. And by the way, can't wait to talk to Kirk Cousins about him mm-hmm. because those two mm-hmm. obviously will forever be tied at the hip for what happened over there in Washington, yeah. which was a wild decision. You trade your entire franchise's draft capital, basically, for the next five years to draft a quarterback, and then you have one other pick, basically, a couple rounds later, and you're like, let's get another quarterback to make this whole thing a fucking controversy. That, that, that is, And now that we're learning more and more about the way that building operates, it's like par for the course there. That's just the way it goes. But you didn't really set either of them up for success, I don't think. And uh, RG, early – Early in the year, said he's tired of being a backup or whatever. Mm -hmm. So this is a chance. I mean, it's not prime time, obviously, but it's the only game in town, only show in town. I assume it's going to do well ratings-wise. He's got zero 
starting running backs. Who knows any other 12 players are going to be out in total. Well, I guess you add the two running backs. That's 14 players going to be out in total for your team and good players as well. If he gets a win somehow, maybe they build him a statue in Baltimore just like they have it down there in Waco, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later, but it seems like his over-under totals are criminally low. I mean, I th- I really do think Bob Griffin Triple Six is going to go out there tonight and surprise some people with, you know, limited weapons. Zito, why don't you pull that up there? The over-under for Robert Griffin the third's passing yards is 165 and a half yards. Jeez. Now, that is... That is like a high school number there. That is very, this is just like 36.5 for that Broncos Saints game where if you see the over-under for points at 36.5 in an NFL game, you have to bet the over just out of respect for the goddamn league. I think out of respect for an NFL quarterback here, you have to bet the over on this. This might be my bet of the day, baby. Ooh, uh, maybe you got a great defense he's playing against, but I'm not sure he's going to run as much as they had RG3 or as Lamar Jackson running, I think he's going to throw the ball more. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back to some preseason games where he was throwing the ball, he's he's slinging it. Oh, yeah. And there's a video on the internet of him hitting a goddamn palm tree uh, right square. And palm trees, by the way, not very wide base. This ain't a goddamn redwood. This Mm-mm. is a palm tree. He was just as, as accurate as possible. One six five and a half over for Robert Griffin III is probably the bet I'm going to go with because 10.5 points is a lot. Speaking of bets, we have a guy from Canada who still talks about weather in Celsius or something like that. Uh He has a bunch of nukes for tonight's game. Gumpy, what are your thoughts on this game? What are the trends saying? 10.5, 10 points, feels like it's a lot. What should people be leaning whenever they're thinking about betting on this thing? Triple Sticks is 0-2 against the spread when he spreads higher than 10, Pat. He's 19-22 and against the spread as a starter. But I don't like the number here. I'm thinking about the under. Oh, the under is seven and two in Ravens last nine against the AFC. Five and two the Ravens last seven road games, and seven three and one in the Steelers last eleven against the AFC North. Get down! Hey, those are some gumpy nukes right there out of Canada. The under feels right. The over on RG3's passing yards feels good. That ten number. It's almost like the sports books don't want people to bet on the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they hey, stay away from this. Say we we're gonna make this thing so ridiculous. You just need to stay away from it. I'd assume a lot of money's coming in on Baltimore digs. Is that is that where the money's coming in? Because if you're getting 10, 10 and a half points, um in any NFL game, that's a lot of fucking points. Now, this has been a weekend of blowouts. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of big spreads that backdoor covers have come down in the end. And just kind of slice. Buccaneers did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles did it, obviously. You know who couldn't do it? The goddamn Chargers, because Anthony Lynn doesn't know what he's doing down there with Herbert. But there's been a lot of backdoor covers on these big spreads this weekend. Will that trend continue? Where's the money at right now, Diggs? Pat, 72% of the money is on the Steelers. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I, and I do want to let you know, because this situation happened in the final week of, of last year. RG3 was the starter, and Gus Edwards was the starter against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Gus Edwards ran for 130 yards, and RG3 threw for 96. Oh, shit. Different Yikes. triple sticks back then. Different yeah, triple that sticks. That was the backup triple sticks. That, wasn't, that was before be Robert Griffin came out and said he wanted to be a starter. Correct. That's right. Still the last quarterback to ever beat the Steelers. <laughs> 
Huh. Man, I don't know what the, I'm fucking. Tw- uh, <laughs> I, I, I just got put into a full pretzel. There. Triple not, sticks. Obviously, I'm down here in Orlando, Florida, so the boys and I don't get a chance to have our full conversations before the shows. So a lot of things are kind of hit me sideways right now, especially <laughs> that RG3 is the last one to beat the Steelers as a starting quarterback, which is wild. And 340 game time, a lot of players out. You have no idea what to expect. 72% of the money's on the Steelers just to beat the shit out of the Ravens, which is wild because I think those people don't fully know. And if you're going on FanDuel, you see the undefeated Steelers team that has a defense that is unbelievable. Ben Roethlisberger back in his game. He's got a brand new elbow. He's not doing things off the field. We know we don't have to mention it, but <laughs> you guys know what I'm referring to there. Um, and then you see that the Ravens, they've been battling COVID, obviously. They haven't had a lot of practices, and they got a lot of players. Out. I think it's the easy thing to do is say, hey, the, the Steelers are just going to blow them out here. But this is NFL football. This is AFC North football. This mm-hmm. is not the yeah. way I don't think it's going to go. I might be wrong, but. I feel like, and if you look at the way the sports books have been going, if 72% of the money's on one side, you, you might as well just fucking guarantee the other side's going to win. that. <laughs> just, you might as well guarantee that that's going to happen with the way things have been going. But I have no idea how this game's going to go. I'm very scared to bet it at all. So the under feels good. RG3 over 160-some feels good, uh, even though he only threw for 96 fucking. You know, how do you even do that? It's like he's that Keegan kid out there. He was, he was 11 of 21 for 96 yards. He missed a few. Yeah. Fucking eleven balls. He he completed eleven passes and only had ninety six <laughs> yards. What? What? Every time the person caught it, they just fell to the ground. Like how? How does this even? What are they doing? Well, that's the thing, right? Like the Ravens' offense has been predictable, as Lamar Jackson has said, and now you bring in Bob Griffin, triple sticks. The, no the whole offense is different. Yeah, the Steelers yeah. aren't really going to know what they're running. So, kind of again, advantage Ravens. Well, I think the big thing too, if we go back to our conversation with T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt. Uh, is the leader of that defense. We were told that by uh, Bob Spokane, too, mm-hmm. who, you know, brings the wood at linebacker. <laughs> Bobby! T- oh, Bob, he's a good guy. Good conversation. Massive neck. Just it, <laughs> You can tell that he is trying to uh, potentially break helmets with his head whenever he's mm-hmm. tackling people with how much he does his neck and everything like that. Oh. T.J. Watt told us whenever he was on the show that some nights he'll sit, he'll, he sits at home with his eyes closed and just listens to the game. Listens to the quarterback, his cadence, so he can get a good jump. Listens to the audibles. And he, uh, Bob Spokane said during games, TJ's even like, hey, do this. This is going to happen. This is going to go here. And it has been working for that Steelers defense. Unbelievable defense. But with Bob, to your guys' point, there ain't no goddamn games to listen to from Bob Griffin. The third. Mm-hmm. There, there is no audibles you've heard him say. Now, granted, Lamar might be doing a thing. But the predictable offense is no longer as predictable because I don't think any of us have a clue what the fuck old Bob Griffin's going to do tonight. I, I don't think any of us know, but I got faith in the guy. He has a statue for a goddamn reason. I like the over on that bet. I'm very thankful for Bob Griffin making us money and getting us back on the right side. And the under, what, what is the over-under at, Gump? 32 and a half. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, two-time Pro Bowler, Kirk Cousins. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Kirk, how's it going, man? Doing well. Thanks for the warm welcome. Well, you know, I wanted to give you a full-on, like, I was ready to rattle. Like, I was ready to go. You know, I was ready to go. And then I heard from our guy who's handling the phone call with you. He's like, well, it's just a thumb on the phone right now, so we don't know if it's Kirk yet. So, I sorry, I, I didn't get a chance to fully go through a full one there because it's your first time on the show. You deserve it. Uh, so, I apologize for that. But thank you for joining us, man. I oh, appreciate your hospitality. Glad to be here. Kirk. There's so many, so many things I want to talk to you about, okay? And I don't know how much time you have. We'll try to make it as quick as possible because you're a working man here and it's a Wednesday, <laughs> big work Wednesday in the NFL. I completely understand that. Um, 
whenever you said, if I die, I die this off season, I want to let you know this show here was one that was like, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kurt. Now, now I know that uh, that's potentially because of how comfortable you are and your religious sense and everything that you've kind of come to accept or whatever, but you caught a lot of hell for that thing. And I asked Thielen about it. I was like, uh, what, what do we not know about Kirk Cousins you think that uh, that should be known? And he was like, yeah, you're super competitive guy, super fiery guy, great leader in there and everything like that. Kirk, I just want to let you know it's been an honor to kind of learn about you more and more because I feel like you're kind of an enigma. I don't know if you know, you're kind of an enigma whenever it comes to outside people that don't know you. Well, hopefully being here with you, we can start to kind of uh, unwrap who I really am. But, uh, I, you know, I, I got a lot I want to talk to you about. So, first of all, I see you make some T-shirts. If I die, I die. <laughs> I hope some way or another I'm going to be getting royalties from those. Everybody looked into that. But even if I don't, you need to send those to our offensive linemen because our offensive linemen are deeply upset with you that a T-shirt gets made about me and they don't get one. So, if nothing else, we want those T-shirts sent to our uh, building so our linemen can wear them. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. So, every dollar that we've made from the If I Die, I Die shirts, we'll donate to the Julian Kirk Cousins Foundation, and we will send some over to the big boys over there. Now, I don't know how large they are. It is tough to get some sizes in this merch world that we're in with 2020. Everything's shut down, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we will send some over there. Um, the shirt's one of the... One of the crowd favorites, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, then we can get some two X's, some three X's, some four X's, and uh, <laughs> take care of our guys. But um, you know, I also got a got I got I got something I got to ask you. My college roommate Aaron Bates was a punter at Michigan State. He's also a trick play extraordinaire. But I believe that uh, he visited West Virginia when you were the punter there. Didn't end up going to West Virginia. But I don't know if you remember Aaron. I just had to ask. Do you remember Aaron Bates at all? Because he was a big fan of yours. He went on a visit there? He went on a visit. He's from Southeast Ohio, so he was close to West Virginia. But uh, I just had to shout out his name. He was my college roommate for four years. And uh, go when, when you get off the show, go do a little research on Aaron Bates. I think you'll see some good stuff come up. You'll be proud of him as a punter. So you were roommates with the punter for four years at Michigan State? Because you're a Michigan State legend, by the way. And I know you're from that area, I believe. We are up in there golfing. I didn't know you were roommates with the punter. That makes, if I die, I die. Primetime Kirk last <laughs> wow. year gets big win in Jerry World, wins a playoff game. Now you're roommates with the punter for four years in college. Kirk Cousins, I'll tell you what, this is awesome to learn about <laughs> from you, sir. So uh, my roommate, all he would do is he'd walk around the dorm room and he'd just do drops. And he'd just yeah, drop yeah. the ball. The, I'm, I'm trying to watch Sports Center, and it's just drop after drop. And we've got our kid who lives below us with a broom hitting the ceiling saying, stop doing drops at 10 at night. I'm trying to sleep. And my roommate, Aaron, looked at me and said, if this kid wants a good punter for his football team, he's going to have to deal with this. This is a sacrifice to help us win. Well, that's a big deal. The drop is literally all that matters. And I respect Aaron Bates, uh, not only being a Southeast Ohio guy. I, I hope we had a good time. I assume we did on the visits. I was – I can't believe we didn't land him, though. He went to Michigan State. I thought I had 100% land rate if we did a visit together, to be honest with you. There are some big names that I got to West Virginia. I think I was part of uh, the crews that hosted them. I think, um, I, think talk- Stanchek, I think Stanchek might have been his host. So maybe that was oh. a problem. Oh, we had a good team. You know Stanchek? Do you know Ryan Stanchek as well? I don't, but Aaron did, and, uh, and uh, he had some good stories. 
Morgantown was a wild place. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 dro- the drops at ten o'clock at night were not happening. I don't know. I don't know if anybody out <laughs> of Morgantown was a wild time. Let's talk about you a little bit, Kirk. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for joining us here. And I can't wait to talk about the cereal too, the cousin cinnamon snaps. We'll get to that at the end because that is super cool, uh, and it seems like something that makes me like you even more. Super relatable. Somebody that eats cereal. I've learned a lot about you just from all that stuff. Um, whenever you got drafted to the Washington football team now, and the situation was what it was, right? They, they traded 75 picks to get RG triple uh, sticks in there. You're drafted the same exact year, but everybody behind the scenes basically said that you just want to work every single day, just want to work every single day, dialed in, no matter what happens, there was a lot of potential extra stuff happening with rg3 whether he was trying to learn how to be a professional or whatever rumors were happening and you just were kind of this constant then you get a chance to kind of play and go there was the beginning of your nfl career over there obviously something you couldn't have predicted but did it help you at all in handling maybe adversity or situations that could pop up in this league at all yeah i think it taught me that this pro career is more of a marathon than a sprint and uh you know it's great if you can get out to early success i think that's better than not but you also got to understand that you know the, the challenge in pro football is that sustained success and that consistency and uh and 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 so for me you know i just kind of tried to take the long view and said uh you know i just got to keep working every day um you know, kind of stack days on top of each other and uh, believe that if I'm good enough, I'll get a chance somewhere, some way, somehow down the road. And if I'm not good enough, you know, I got to live with that and be self-aware and realize that maybe I'm not good enough. But, uh, uh, you know, wasn't in a hurry to make it all happen. And, and you know, I think as time proves and as we look back, you know, that was uh, that was certainly the right approach. And all this and all this has come out about the way that organization was run from top to bottom, obviously, and there's a player is not going to know about the way things are being handled in the front office. So it's, that would be a very dumb thing to talk to you about because that's way over your head whenever you're over there. But you get franchise tagged over there, and then you get to your free agency. And I remember how big of a deal it was for all other players to see the way you negotiated your deal. And I think there were some cameras on you at the time. I think the Jets made you an offer. It was fully guaranteed. And then the Vikings come in with a fully guaranteed. And I thought you were going to change the way deals were done forever. I was, like, super pumped. I'm like, Kirk Cousins just made a play for players forever. Now, has it completely gone that way? No. But the way you handled it, I think a lot of players saw and had a lot of respect for. Did you? What, was, what led to that type of negotiation or idea behind the business side of it? Is that just something you saw and wanted to do? Did you have a team around you that was thinking about it? What was it? Honestly, it goes back to my agent, Mike McCartney. Uh, Mike, it was his idea, and it was his idea before I was ever franchise tagged back at the start of 2016 after I finished up my 2015 season. He said, I have a vision for a, you know, a contract to be fully guaranteed, kind of explained it to me, and I said, great. You know, I play football. You can handle the business. <laughs> and uh, and then that was kind of a long journey of the two franchise tags and then eventually going to free agency and then seeing that uh, contract, which he had a vision for, come to fruition. Uh, but it was kind of a two, three-year journey to get there. And, um, you know, it's not what other quarterbacks have since done, but it worked for us. And uh, honestly, most importantly is, um, you know, that you're with a team, with an organization that you feel really good about and, I've really enjoyed my last two and a half seasons here in Minnesota and just thrilled that it all worked out. Last year, a lot of success, obviously. Playoff win and everything like that. Did, 
Now, you, you said you're self-aware, and I assume you don't live, um, you know, like in a hole or under a rock or whatever. The conversation about the big game, the big game, the big game, the primetime game, blah, blah, blah. It was deafening at points. I mean, it was very yeah. loud. Like, no matter what you did, no matter what you did, even if you had a great game, it was like, ah, one o'clock game doesn't matter. And then you go into a big game, you have a great game, team loses because you don't you don't play on the defensive side of the ball or in the special team side. And it was like, well, Kirk Cousins can't win it. Then last year down in Jerry World, okay, primetime Kirk Cousins was born. Then you get that New Orleans Saints playoff win with Kyle Rudolph shoving that guy into the first row of the stands and then catching the ball. But it doesn't matter how you win. Hey, you win, you win. It doesn't matter. New Orleans Saints fans won't say that, but however you want to win. Was that something you heard? And as a human, was it a massive relief to kind of get that monkey off your back and be like, okay, now that that's done, I can't wait to move forward? Or are you so laser focused that that didn't even affect you? Well, you know, you, you can't bury your head in the ground. You're still going to hear things. And uh, I guess where I took comfort and didn't let it eat at me too much was in a lot of those games we lost, and you kind of mentioned it, I felt like I was playing good football. And I felt like I was getting better. I felt like I was improving. And I just believe that if I kind of kept at it, kept playing well, that eventually, you know, the odds are we're going to start winning these games. And last year we were able to win, you know, the the game in Dallas, the playoff game. Um and then you just try to build on it, you know, and, and this year, you know, we're hovering right around 500. So it's not like suddenly everything clicked and we're undefeated. But uh, I do believe that I'm still, you know, getting better as a quarterback and that, uh, you know, that's really where I kind of take comfort. And the narratives will be what they are, and that's fine. And it kind of changes week to week depending on how well you played your latest game. And uh, just try not to ride the roller coaster too much and just focus on getting better. Kyle Rudolph just shoved that kid. Did you tell him to do that? Did you tell him to <laughs> He's uh he's he's very smart as a player. So if he did shove him, he's only going to shove him in a way that the ref will never be able to tell. Uh, he's so crafty, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting a flag there by any means. Let's talk about crafty athlete Adam Thielen. Let's talk about sneaky athlete, lunch pail guy, first one in, last one out, coach's son, high motor, Adam Thielen. What is, uh, you guys have had an incredible relationship. You guys on the field, and we'll talk about Justin Jefferson being this uh, phenom, basically, in the entire thing coming in this year. But Adam Thielen was out last week. You guys still get a win. Uh, he has survived COVID, mm-hmm. so he, I, I do believe he had the same mindset. If I die, I die. <laughs> he has survived it, which... I'm no scientist, but I do believe 100% recovery rate in the NFL thus far. That is good news. But Thielen's back. What has it been like? Because you know Thielen's story at this point. I think we all do. He had to pay to go to a regional combine. He had to pay to work out. Okay, And then he finds his way on a team, and he comes out of nowhere. What has it been like kind of building that rapport with him, kind of watching him go to work and obviously get paid off for his, uh, his incredible story that it has been? Yeah, when I got to Minnesota at the start of 2018, and he was already a pro bowler, and it already really established himself as, you know, the the number one, number one A receiver for the team. So uh, for me, it was just a matter of saying, hey, this is our guy. Let's start to build that rapport and, uh, and start feeding him. And it's really been that way ever since. I mean, the very first eight games I played here as, as a Viking – he had eight straight 100-yard games, and he's really never looked back. Last year, he was off to a fast start. I think he caught five or six touchdowns in the first uh, five or six games. And then he pulled his hamstring, missed you know a good third of the season, 
and then uh, came back and made an enormous catch in overtime in the playoff game to uh, set up Kyle Rudolph's fate that was such an egregious push off apparently. So, uh, uh, you know, and he's done it again this year with, you know, aside from COVID taking him out last Sunday, he's been super productive again. So really all I've known in my three seasons here is, is Adam being consistent and productive and um, eventually father time will get us all. But until then, uh, I expect him to keep doing it. Uh, before we let you go here, and I, once again, Wednesdays are an incredibly busy day. I, I was, uh, I was only third string quarterback in the NFL, so I, I don't know what the uh, the starting quarterback in NFL Wednesday is from personal experience, but I've seen <laughs> it. So I appreciate you taking time here. Justin Jefferson has come on to the scene, and obviously the gritty has been a lot of conversation. Can, can you gritty, by the way? I have never even tried. I have talked to him about it, and. Uh... I'll leave it at that. Just talking about it. Don't need to be about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you run one in, though, in a primetime game. If we can see primetime Kirk. Yeah, I mean, may have to do it. <laughs> Rainer, yeah. Yeah, have to. Uh, can we talk? How has it been, I mean, for him to – now, granted, somebody has to throw in the ball, and that's you. But how how do you think he's made it look so easy? Because these young guys, Chase Claypool is having a hell of a year. He's a rookie as well. Justin Jefferson is – it's not normal for these rookies to be able to do what they're doing. What has it been like for Justin Jefferson? Is he just like a natural, like everything just comes to him, the work ethic, everything like that? What have you noticed? Natural is the word I've used. You know, people ask me kind of what has made him successful, and it's not any one trade. It's not, oh, he's a four two forty guy, so he's just faster than everybody, and that's why. Or, oh, he's big and strong, and so he just outmuscles people. It's really neither of that. It's – he, he's just a natural receiver. So tracking the football comes easy for him, closing on the ball, um, you know, attacking it with his hands, creating separation versus man coverage, and then running the entire route tree. There's not a route that, you know, he, he's uncomfortable running. So I think when you're a natural receiver, the game comes naturally to you. It makes for a really smooth transition. And uh, we needed somebody who could kind of compliment Adam because we saw, you know, when Adam was out last week, how defenses will start to really – be able to say, okay, this is their one receiver. Let's take that guy away. When you have two, it really forces defenses to play a little more honest. And uh, I think that's why both of them then can be so productive. Hey, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this question and you answer it. You're a very intelligent guy. What was it? Was Stefan, was it off the field, on the field? Why didn't it work with Stefan? You think like, why did he end up Getting because he's having a good year with Buffalo. He had a great year with you guys. Why didn't yeah. it work? You think? What was it? Because you guys needed to fill in that gap with Justin Jefferson, who's done an incredible job. I mean, Stefan was an incredible uh, yeah. tag team with Adam Thielen. What do you think it was? Was it was it relationships with like what was it? You think? You know, you'd have to ask Stefan. I mean, he he was he wasn't gonna um, you know go around the building and, and just verbalize that to everybody. I mean, he, he went about his business and did his work, and he was very productive. I mean, that back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for us, and when Adam was out last year for several weeks, we really leaned on him to uh, to carry us in the past game, and he did. So, you know, he was always great to me, great with me. He's one of the best receivers, one of the best players I've ever played with. I mean, he's showing that now in Buffalo, what he can do. So um, I was grateful I got to play with him for two years. But, uh, you know, he, he – wanted to, to go somewhere else and fortunately it worked out for everybody. He was able to get that. Um, and, uh, we were able to then draft Justin and, and, um, you know, all in all, looking back, I hope everyone's kind of able to be happy with how it worked out. 
Yeah, and it's always interesting because whenever there's like a little seed of negativity planted, it can always blossom into something if miscommunication happens. And I feel like that was potentially what happened over there. And that happens everywhere, by the way, in every business, not just there. And it has worked out on the other side in a beautiful fashion. Uh, Kirk, I'm excited to watch you guys continue to go on a run. Your team is awesome. Um, we have to talk about these cereal, this cereal, though, because I'm a big cereal eater. Uh, the Cousin Cinnamon Snaps. Was Cinnamon Toast Crunch your favorite cereal? So here's the deal. It's kind of a cross between the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Golden Grams. Ooh. And you'll notice oh. Cinnamon is M-I-N-N, obviously. Smart. But uh, it's been great to partner with High V and sell that cereal for a limited time during the season. And then the proceeds can go help support the local Boys and Girls Club chapters here in the, in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. And uh, we've got a bunch of boxes in our house, and I'm usually having one at night before bed. So, uh, yeah, if you like a cross between Golden Grands and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's what you're getting. Yeah, that sounds like a dream come true. And also <laughs> the uh, Julian Kirk Cousins Foundation, uh, which directs money to the Boys and Girls Club of the Twin Cities, will be giving all the money from the if you die, you die thing. Don't die, by the way. The world's better with you. And we'll send some five X's over for the big asses blocking up for you up in the front. Thank you. They'll be much happier with you, and they'll, you'll be in their good graces. Well, they do a great job. I mean, Dalvin Cook, I mean, I don't know what his injury is. I don't know the update. But what you guys have been able to accomplish, I can't wait to see you guys going forward. And I can't wait to chat with you again, Kirk. Awesome, Pat. Enjoy it. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Michigan State legend Kirk Cousins. Thank you, Kirk. He was cool, huh? Good guy. Serial night, just like you, Paul. Yeah. Not right now, obviously, but. Yeah, because I'm on the keto. This is the thinnest <laughs> I've looked in a long, long time, by the way. I took, I got my hair cut as well last night. Looks good. I do a good fade. See, the issue with my head, with how large it is, uh, if any hair grows out, I mean, I in, immediately look 10 to 15 pounds heavier. So I, I got to keep the, the thing going there or whatever. Kirk Cousins is a cool guy, man. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew what we had going on, too, which I appreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Connor, what was your question going to be? Oh, I just wanted to ask him uh, when he gave the old, you like that, quote, uh, whether he knew that was going to be as big as it is, <laughs> and if people kind of try and bait him into saying, you like that, whenever you know they're asking if he likes something. Oh, so you even had a follow-up, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I had, too. So sorry to interrupt, but I just need to remind you guys how great Shady Ray's sunglasses are. You've heard us talk about it ad nauseum. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company, not some big, greedy, corporate fat cat that overcharges for shades because everyone knows sunglasses are way overpriced. Shady Rays is out to do it differently with premium polarized shades at a fraction of the big name brand cost. Plus, Shady Rays has one of the best warranties in all of eyewear. Replacements if shades are lost or broken for any reason. Doesn't matter what happens. You drop it in the ocean or the lake, anything. Your dog eats them. You run over them with your car. You know, you snap them in two. You just leave them somewhere. They'll replace them no matter what. Try that with your high-priced shades and see if they'll help you. Even with that strong of a warranty, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you, holding in my hand, seems just as good as any expensive pair that I have ever worn. Polarized lenses that look perfectly clear, and most Shady Rays are only 48 bucks. And most Shady Rays are only 48 bucks. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order place and have provided over 10 million meals to date. They stand behind their products 
and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges, you either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. And now exclusively for our viewers and listeners, they gave us the best deal they have to offer. I mean, we're talking a big sale Friday level deal here. Use code McAfee for 25% off any pair of shades at ShadyRays.com. You can get a quality polarized pair of sunglasses for as low as $36 with this deal. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com with code McAfee for 25% off any pair of shades. Joining us now is a man who is a three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler. Called the Saints Broncos absolute electric factory this past weekend, ladies and gentlemen, our friend Mark Schreier. Yeah! Yeah! How's it going, Stink? I'm going. It's going good, man. How are you? You know, I mean, I've gotten a lot of uh, questions about. I think you went on an epic rant about broadcasting. <laughs> Did you go on this epic rant? And so then I read somebody sent me something that the Sports Illustrated guy. I don't know if you talked to him or if he just went off on your epic rant. And said, you know, uh, like this guy and this guy, but I hate the the boring broadcasters like Schlereth. And I'm like, this turd has never even watched me call a game. I guarantee you, <laughs> it's like me reading his headline and telling him he sucks at writing. I guarantee you, he's never even seen me call a game. So well, whoever that uh, turd was from Sports Illustrated, I got my eye on you. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, said person you're talking about, too, he said that I should name names and do all this shit and all that. And I'm like, yo, bud. I don't think it's some of the – and by the way, you know that I obviously was not talking about you. Like, you obviously know that. But oh, yeah. There are some it. guys – you were, I don't care. I'd still come on your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there are, there are some guys – and the reason why I didn't name names is because I think the people that are putting the people in those positions, I think they're the ones wrong. Like, there's some guys that should not be in commentator booths. Like, there are some guys yeah. that should not be sharing our game. You know what I mean? Our league. Like, there's some people – that their voice, their brain, the way they speak, for whatever reason, maybe they're good at something else and they're good on the field, they should not be calling games. So that's why I didn't want to call names because I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I think it's the people that are making the decisions. You know what I mean? But the fact that you got attacked in that whole thing, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. And you're 100% right. You know how the you know how the business works. I mean, it. you know, I mean, oftentimes it's not about your ability. It's about uh, – you know, it's about the way you look or the, the the career that you had or the position that you played, you know? And that, I mean, which I think is absolute garbage. If you study the game and, and you work hard, you do your thing, uh, you know, and you're entertaining and you can have fun doing it. Least, I, the only reason I got in this business in the first place was to entertain myself because I think I'm damn funny. And, like, if you don't like it, I don't really give a crap. Like, I a long time ago when I first got in this business, somebody told me something that I adhered to. They said... They said to me, it's a mentor of mine. They said, you want 50% of the people to hate you and 50% of the people to love you. And so I get done calling a game. I open up my phone and 50% of the people absolutely love what I do. 50% of the people hate me with a white hot intensity of a thousand suns. And I'm like, great. You know, I order a vodka soda. I get on the plane and I'm, I'm done with it. I'm like, this is good. Like I, I, I succeeded today. So, I mean, if you don't like me, I don't care. Come get its taste. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I, I'm, I'm good to roll. So I, I, don't, I don't worry about what people think. Hey, Stink, the thing about it is, that's wrestling, right? You just want some sort of reaction. That's like what wrestling is. You just, whether people hate you or love you, they want you, you want them to feel something. But whenever everybody thinks that you are just bad at what you do, that's called go away heat, or go, that's called go away heat in wrestling. 
Like, you yeah. don't want that in commentating. Like, like, if you want people to either love you, hate you, you don't want the go-away heat, which happens in wrestling, which is like, yo, we all agree you are in way over your head here and you shouldn't be here. And I don't think anybody's ever said that about old Mark Schlair. Well, I, I know nobody said about you in wrestling because when you did the uh... – you know, when you did the dipsy doodle backflip off the uh, top <laughs> rope there, I was just like, like that dude is not only are, are you incredibly athletic, uh, but you, you're a little bit touched. And I appreciate that about you. You're just a little bit like there's a little something off with you. And, um, and that's good. That's, like, that's, a, that's a, quality, a trait that I, that I think is a, a quality trait that all of us should have. Well, I'm going to steal cage match this Sunday, Mark. So if you want to talk about a little bit of touch, I literally just got done with back-to-back days of physicals here to see if my body uh, is good enough to go for a steel cage match Sunday night. Hey, let's go. Yeah. Let's go, Mark. So what, what was the results of the uh, rectal thermometer exam? So the temperature was good. Temperature was yeah. good. And by the way, especially with COVID, that's the most accurate way to figure out whether or not somebody's got a fever or not. Because if you got a fever, uh, allegedly, depending on which doctor you talk to, that could potentially mean that you have COVID or you don't have COVID, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, hey, safety first is what I always say. Safety first. But, but, you know, not that you wanted to have this conversation, but I got to tell you the greatest, I mean, this is the, the greatest probably practical joke of my NFL career. Are you ready for this? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'm playing in the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl 33. We're in Miami. So we're in a Miami facility because it's an AFC city, right? Uh-huh. You know how the game, you know how it rolls. So we're in the Miami facility, and they got the hot tub and the cold tub, right? And so after practice, I'm in the cold tub for a while. Then I'm jumping in the hot tub, and I'm jumping in the cold tub and jumping in the hot tub. And they got one of them, like, 12-inch thermometers that are floating in the hot tub, right, to see what the temperature is in there. So I grab the thermometer, and there's a Miami guy working in the in the uh, in in the area there that we are in the in the wet area that we're at. And I said, "Hey man, go get our head trainer, Steve Antonopoulos. We call him Greek." I said, "Go get our head trainer. Something's wrong with me, man. Something's terribly wrong with me." And so he comes running out there, right? And now head, Greek comes in, and the assistant trainers come in, and all the Miami staff comes in, and I'm standing butt ass naked on the top step of this walk-in hot tub. And, I, and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I say, hey, Greek, man, something's wrong, man. I, 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 like, I don't feel good, man. I'm dizzy. Something's going on here. I don't know what's going Like, if I'm having a stroke or a heart attack or whatever. And he's like, calm down, calm down. I go, hey, just do me a favor. I go, check my temperature. And I had that 12-inch thermometer jammed up my ass cheeks. And I just turned around and showed it to him. And, uh, dude, it was for me, it was the funniest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And, uh, and every I bump into guys that work for the Miami Dolphins right now. And they're like... You're a sick, you're a sick, you know what. You're like, you want to know like, how I was introduced right to you, Stink? This is how I was introduced. Do you remember? And you go, oh, yeah, that was the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> the, um, we we practiced at the same facility, by the way, whenever we were down there. Oh, yeah. It was, it was wild. Palm trees outside the field. Like, we had just come from Indianapolis. It was 10 degrees outside. You go out, palm trees everywhere. I was like, man, I don't know if this would be a good place for me to play at. This seems like a vacation. Down well, here. Albert Williams came in. I, he came in after uh, we had like Monday night off and we all went to have dinner and stuff with our team groups. Oh, yeah. And they had this big giant grease board in there and in the locker room, right? And he walks in. It's like Tuesday or it's Wednesday, first day of practice, whatever it was. I think it was Wednesday. So they went out Tuesday night. And he wrote 10 reasons that the Miami Dolphins will never win the Super Bowl. 
And then he listed the 10 strip clubs he had been in the night before. <laughs> like, like, there's no way. There's no way you could win a Super Bowl in this environment. Absolutely impossible. Well, as soon as you get past the Tootsies and King of Diamonds, right, they all kind of just kind of blur together. But we had some boys who got sent home early because of those 10 reasons as well. They had quite right. a uh, they had quite a Tuesday night from what I have been told, obviously. I've been yeah. told. But the, from what um, you've heard. The, you won three Super Bowls. I remember the week of the Super Bowl, and uh, they had already the group that I was with, obviously Peyton Squad. They already won one, so I think it was a much different vibe than maybe the first time. Because like the first time you go to the Super Bowl, I think there's a lot of people trying to figure out what because everything it's everything is a production. Every practice right. is a production. You got celebrities. Practices aren't even real that week. It's like they're nowhere near as intense as they are back in your home place. Like you're still doing practice. But it's different. It feels like spring practice almost with the amount of people that you had around. And I guess there's still like some you get you big guys probably hit each other still. But it, it was a very different feeling than any other week. And whenever you win three of them, I think handling all the bullshit that comes from Super Bowl week is a massive part of winning the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, I was I was fortunate to come up on really mature teams. And, you know, my first year in Washington, we stayed the whole first week we stayed. Um, you know, in, in Washington. And we went back. We didn't even game plan. We went back to training camp practice. We beat the snot out of one another. And then we went in, and it was the first. I mean, it was a different era, but it was the first time. Friday practice was the first time. Uh, Friday practice at the Super Bowl was the first time that we took our shoulder pads off during the year. Wow. It was the first time we didn't hit on a Friday. And our practice was so intense on Thursday that Joe Gibbs was standing there talking to uh to uh, John Madden goes, I had to take them out of pads because they're going to kill each other. Like we are, we are so ready to, I mean, to play. And then my two years in Denver, um, you know, we game plan during the week and we did the, the first week in Denver. And then, then we went on the road and, and our practices were so sharp. I mean, a ball never hit the ground. And yeah. so they were like an hour and 15 minutes. They were in and out. We were done. Yes. Um, and so they were, they were great, but you're hundred percent right. The first time, I ever went as a broadcaster to cover a Super Bowl. It was uh, New Orleans, and it was the Patriots versus the Rams. And like I said, we played on these really mature teams, so we were always like we stayed sequestered, like it was like a business trip. And I never got out, and it was the first time I ever went out during a Super Bowl week. And I was like, "Holy crap! Look at all the, the, the this is like a big deal." Like I think it would have freaked me out as a player to realize what a big deal. Super Bowl, actually. Like, you see all the celebrities and all the other players that come out and all the appearance money and everything else. You know, I was a big, fat offensive lineman, so I never got offered any appearance. Oh, <laughs> Mark, you deserved it, though. Well, yeah, well, I didn't get any of it, but I appreciate that. <laughs> but, yeah, it was the first time I ever realized, man, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Yeah, it's it was interesting because I think the sharp thing is right. It was like a very quick practice. Caldwell wanted us to be the – the fastest, freshest team on the field every single week, right? Because we had an older team, a mature team. Yeah. And I just remember the Super Bowl week just being like, man, this is interesting. Because there was – I forget who. We had like seven people that – I didn't even know they were fans of the team that were celebrities that were just walking around practice. And it was Miami, obviously, so you got a bunch of shit popping off. It was just – Right. It was very interesting to win. That's why this the Patriots thing is so – I mean, there's numerous things about the Patriots thing that is so impressive. But any team that's able to win – 
on a consecutive basis there. I think once you get to your second or third Super Bowl, it almost makes it easier than the first one whenever you get there. But getting back to the Super Bowl is so incredibly difficult. I just I mentioned the guy's name there, Jim Caldwell, and I loved him as a coach. I, I did. I liked him as a man. I liked him as a coach. He, uh, he suspended me for a game after I got – uh, a public intoxication because I was 100% intoxicated, but allegedly other stuff happened or whatever. And he and I had great interactions, great conversations, you know, and I, I really appreciated him. Then he goes to Detroit, obviously, after we fire him, and he kind of moves on, and he gets fired from Detroit after having winning seasons there, right? And that's something that never happens in Detroit. And then now he said that he, he took a physical. He had calcium in his body. He's lost 30 pounds. He's been away from the game for like 12 months. He was an advisor, a consultant for the Vikings, and – the headline was that he alludes to the fact that the Ford family got duped by Matt Patricia and Hiram, which wasn't at all what he said, by the way. It was a headline that was taken completely out of context. But sure. whenever you think about a guy like Jim Caldwell, who was a successful head coach, and then you see all these bad head coaches that still have jobs, it's very interesting, the whole hiring process. Like, for instance, out in Denver, like Vic Fangio, he probably doesn't have a job after this year. You guys will be looking for coaches. It feels like people get it wrong more often than not. Why is that, Mark? Why do people get it wrong whenever you're trying to find a guy to lead gr a group of men? Why is that? Uh, I, you know, I think it's interesting that you even ask it because I just look at it like it's not about the X's and O's nearly as much as about your ability to command an audience. And you have to be able to think about all the different interactions that you have to have on a day-to-day -day basis, but you have to command the message, command your audience, um, you have to be authentic in doing that. So you have to command the coaches, the group of coaches that you're coaching, because ultimately you lose some of the connectivity you have with players as a head coach and you move on to coaching the coaches. So there's got to be that connectivity and you've got to command that coach's office. They have to respect the heck out of what you're doing. Then you've got to command all your players and stand in front of them, command that audience and be in charge of that. And then you've got to be able to do that with the, the media, both locally and nationally. And, you know, I'll go back to when the Giants hired, what was the guy's name, Ben McAdoo? Mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's from Pittsburgh, but it's tough. He, it's a tough. Yeah, he, he showed up in, in a coat that he borrowed from one of the offensive linemen. It was, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I, as soon as I saw that, I, I saw I saw that interview, the the initial, hey, welcome to the be the Giants. Go, that guy can't, that guy will not be respected. You know this. I mean, players have unbelievable horse sense. Like, none of us are, you know, like, you know, I always say that genius and, and football are mutually exclusive events. You know, you're not a genius if you're playing or coaching. Like, you, you know, I mean, come on. I strap a strap a plastic piece of plastic on your head and slam it into other people, right? And then, like, that's your job. And like, I'm not a genius. I'm not that bright. Um, I'm a general studies major from the University of Idaho. That means my education is an inch deep and a mile wide. I know a lot of stuff about very, you know, or little stuff about a lot of things. Like, that's all I know. So, you're not that bright. You're playing in the National Football League or you're coaching. Like, as soon as I saw that guy, I was like, the players are just going to sniff that guy out in a heartbeat. Like, you're wearing some jacket. You're like, you, you know, you're looking like Chris Farley. I'm like, this this is not going to work. You, you just hired, you know, you just hired, uh, what was it? What was his character's name? Down by the river, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Fogel. Yeah. So, I, I, Foley. Just, there it is. Yeah, Fogel. Matt Fogel. Foley. So, I, there's just, like, <laughs> I think that, People get enamored with guys who, you know, come from a program or guys that, um, you know, are great with X's and O's and all this. To me, you got to be authentic, man. You got to walk in there and regardless of where you came from, you've got to be you. Because if you're not, 
players will sniff it out in a, and I mean, in a second. And I, you know, this is a player. You watch a guy walk in and he looks the part, and then you see him, all, and you're like, no, that guy can't play. That guy's well, never going to make it. Well, and then also, whenever you watch a coach and you see how he handles day to day, and then you see him on game day, and you're like, oh, this guy's fake. He doesn't, he doesn't believe what he's saying because on game day, he's completely changed the way he is. And I'm not saying right. that I've ever experienced that with coaches, but I see some coaches on the sideline, game day is too big for them. Everybody talks about players getting, like, choking or whatever, but there's mm-hmm. been some coaches that I see, like, either on other sidelines or even on our team at positions where game day, they just lose their mind. It's like, well, all week we are preaching, like, hey, this is just do your job, here we go, this whole thing. And then on game day, your ass gets puckered up so tight you can't even operate. It's like there's, a, there's only a few people, I think, that are incredible coaches. And I always thought Jim Caldwell was a great one. Like I, and, and him getting fired from Detroit and then obviously what has happened there, I've always been confused. Like, how does it happen? Like, how do the people who have billions of dollars – now, nepotism happens, obviously. The money gets passed down or whatever. But how can you be that successful and not be able to read whether or not a human who's going to run your billion-dollar business – is able to do it right. or not. That, that's just a very interesting thing for me, that whole process. I think, I, you know, I think one of the things, and I've said this forever, like oftentimes organizations and owners think your ability to communicate comes with your age. Like, hey, you'll be better at communicating with our young players if you're a young coach. And I think that has nothing to do with anything. Like, you can either communicate with players. Like one of the guys that has the best relationship I have ever seen over the course of my career of not only playing but also um, broadcasting is Wade Phillips. I mean, Wade Phillips is 100 years old, and I'm telling you what, the guys love playing for Wade Phillips. They absolutely love him. And his ability to communicate with his players from a younger generation is like as good as there is in this business. And to me, it has nothing to do with age. You either have that skill set or you don't have that skill set. But, you know, if you find an offensive coordinator that's 34 years old, you know, and, and yeah, that's like that's like Viagra to 80-year-old owners. Like, they can't wait to hire that guy, right? They're like, oh, my gosh. I, you know, this is awesome. So, I mean, I, I think you have to do a better job of understanding what you're getting into. Andy Reid, another one. I thought you were going to say Andy because you look at Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. is one of the best fashionably dressed humans I've ever encountered in my entire life. Going to go, go into Hall of Fame at tight end. Unbelievable tight And then you see him massaging Andy Reid's shoulders in the middle of a game. It's like there's just some people that can connect to people, motivate people. And I don't know if you heard this today. Anthony Lynn, in, in an in attempt to be transparent and authentic, I think, to, those, to his credit, I guess he came out today that he told his team, like, hey, we're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And it's like they're not mathematically completely eliminated from that. So I found that to be very interesting because every coach that I've ever been a part of, they're telling you, like, all right, here's how it's going to work. Listen, this team, Chuck, this team <laughs> needs to win. Okay, this team needs to tie. But wouldn't we be sick if we don't do our job and these two things happen and we could have made the dance, but we don't do it? Like, I feel like that's a massive part of being a leader is, like, saying, like, hey, it's 2020. COVID could take out anybody. We might have a 16-team playoff this year. That's being talked about. Everything is still potentially in front of us as opposed to, like, hey, we're playing for each other this year now. It's like that's just a very coaching thing. I don't think there's there's enough talk about good and bad coaching, and it, it seems to come to the forefront a lot in games that matter and teams that matter. Yeah, no, I, I definitely. You know, Anthony Lynn and I were teammates, and um, I'm surprised. But at the same time, I'm like, I, the Chargers are going to charge her. You know, I mean, he just is <laughs> he's being realistic. Like, 
he's like, hey, we're going to be up by 14 in the fourth quarter with a minute 40, and we're going to find a way to lose this game. So that's just who you got. Hey, that's who you guys are. That's not me. That's you guys. Like, you guys think. So I'm just letting you know it's on you. That's the ultimate. Don't hey, Don't point the finger, pull the thumb. That's the ultimate. We're just pointing the finger. You guys are just, you know, you don't know how to win. Hey, I don't know Andy if you see Lynch this. Got not- bull rings. I got my rings. Like you guys, you know, we'll see you guys later. I don't know if you see this or not, but I'm pointing all four fingers at you because they say whenever you're pointing one finger, you got three pointing back. But no, no, not this time, boys. This is <laughs> no. you, four fingers and thumbs. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's talk about two really good coaches. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in his time in the AFC North of the Pittsburgh Steelers in like 14 or 15 years. Unbelievable. Harbaugh, I think, has had a lot of success. This year, it seems like they're a very different team. They're playing in less than an hour on NBC in the middle of uh, uh, the week. How do you see this game going? The Steelers are 10-point or 10.5-point favorites. That feels like a lot in an AFC North game, depending upon – it doesn't matter how many people are out of this thing. How do you see this going? What do you think they're saying to their teams right now? Well, I mean, the Ravens got like 25 guys that are out on COVID right now. Yeah, a lot. I, I mean, come on. Like, really? And then they just put Marquise Pouncey on the COVID list, so they lost their starting center. Um, hey, man, anything can happen, obviously. Uh, you know, the, the Steelers – the Steelers are fun. Like, I, I had the Steelers-Washington game coming up next week. So, on Monday, I spent about five hours looking at Steelers tape, and then I got switched to Seattle, the Giants. So, um, if anybody is doing that game and needs some information on the Steelers, <laughs> I'm your guy. Just reach out. I share information. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to screw you. I'll give you the real skinny. But, you know, one thing that I love about the Steelers is kind of how simplistic they are. They just execute. You know, they, I mean, it's pretty simple route combinations. Uh, ben Roethlisberger just getting the ball out of his hands really quickly. Uh, I've never seen a team, and all the teams I've covered this year so far, I've never seen a team in four wides, in five wides so much. Like, they'll get in Cinco. They'll get in four wides. They'll get in ten. They'll just be like, hey, man, we're good. Let's roll. And um, and really quick underneath passing, like, get it out of my hand right now. Ben Roethlisberger in, in, is not interested in – in taking big shots anymore, you know, big hits. Um, but they're really a poised football team offensively. Uh, and, you know, I, I just uh, I just appreciate what Mike Tomlin's been able to accomplish there. Obviously, this game is kind of crazy because of all the COVID issues going on. And, and usually, to me, this is, in a day and age where rivalries have kind of been lost to a degree, this is the one rivalry where these guys really hate each other. They, they really don't like each other. And so it's a shame that all the players for the uh, Ravens, you know, are uh, are out, or a lot of the players are out. But, uh, you know, th- there'll be a lot of pride. John Harbaugh's a hell of a coach. He'll have them ready to go, and um, I'll take the uh, Steelers by 20. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from a guy that watched Steelers tape for five hours on Monday, all for naught, yeah. by the way. So take that for what it is. Tone, you enjoy hearing that right there? You have to feel good about what he just said there, Tone. Well, yeah, I mean, if – if I say it, it comes with no merit. But if Mark watches tape and says it, then, yeah, we're going to trust that and we're going to feel good about it. He's diehard Steelers fan right there. He has been pissed off about how this is, as all of Pittsburgh has been, by the way, about how oh, this yeah. whole thing has unfolded. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they're, they uh, you know, Trump's and in from downtown and, uh, <laughs> you know, sitting on their couch. And they're just complaining about what the heck's going on. Uh, my first coach, God rest his soul, Joe Bugle, was uh, a PA guy. And he would say things to me, and I'd have to turn over to Jeff Boston and go, what the hell is he talking about? I, don't know. Like, I have no idea what he just said there. Uh, um, Mark, who's going to win the Super Bowl, dude? Well, I, 
I will like NFC wise. I, I see you guys have Aaron Rodgers on every week, and I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. There's no He's question awesome. about. That. I think. Hey, by the way, hold on. Before you get going, I think a lot of players have a lot more respect for Aaron than maybe most other people. Before this year, where we got to learn about him, I think most athletes in most sports have a lot of respect for Aaron and the way he gets going and the way he does things. I think. I yeah. I just. One, he's he's great, and I love greatness. Um, and two, like he's got just enough Richard Nine in him just to be like, I don't really give a crap what you think, and I like that about him. Like just yeah. enough saltiness about him that uh, that intrigues me. So I like that about Aaron. He's he's such a good player. Uh, the teams uh, uh, that I've called, there is no more in my mind. There is no deeper team in the National Football League, at least in the NFC, than the Saints. Um, I mean, they have they have Pro Bowl, All Pro players. Their left tackle is an All Pro player. Their right tackle is an All Pro player. Their left guard is a Pro Bowler. Their center is a Pro Bowler in my mind. Uh, Alvin Kamara is an All Pro player. Drew Brees is what he is, an All Pro player. Mike Thomas is an All Pro player. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has been to Pro Bowls. Jared Cook has been to Pro Bowls. I mean, they are loaded. And then defensively, I didn't even, uh, uh, you know, um, Cam Jordan's an All Pro player. Uh, they, Trey Hendrickson is going to the Pro Bowl. He he's one of the top leaders in sacks. Uh, David Anyamata is a great player. Uh, Demario Davis is an All Pro player. They they went out and got uh, oh gosh uh, 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 who's the linebacker? Quan Alexander. Mm-hmm. He's a great player. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is an All Pro player. I mean, like uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is an All Pro player. Like they are top to bottom. They are the best team that I have covered this year. They are legit. And and Sean Payton is a great coach. So, you know, if I had to put money now, they find a way. If they, as, as long as they don't have to play Minnesota. That's my qualifier. <laughs> if they don't play Minnesota, I'm taking the Saints to get to the, to the Super Bowl. And then as good as the Steelers have been, and they're my childhood team, man, I love the Steelers. I love the Steelers. I still get, like, nervous when I bump in. To like, I bumped into Mel Blunt a couple years ago, and it's in a hotel lobby. Like, and I'm like, I'm walking with Trey Wingo, and I'm like, hey man, that's Mel Blunt, that's Mel Blunt. <laughs> and you know, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm thinking all the way walking through the lobby, like, how am I gonna approach him? Am I gonna say hi? What are you like? I'm gonna introduce myself. What am I gonna do? And and you know, because that was my childhood team, man. I love Mel Blunt. And so I walk up, and, and, and as I'm walking by, I'm just like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say. Anything. I got nervous, right? And Mel Blunt goes, hey Mark, how are you? And I acted cool, Pat. I was like, hey, what's up, Mel, man? Good to see you, brother. You know, that type of thing. And in my heart, I was like, Mel Blunt knows my name. Do you like the Steelers or not? You like the Steelers to make it against the Saints, you think? No, I, I you know, like, I, I'm going to go with the unicorn that is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that guy, I think he's got an ice cream stand. He, he poops orange sherbet, and he just sells it on the street. Like, the guy is, he's a unicorn. He's unbelievable. All right, we have a hard out here uh, in about a minute. So I need this question's from AJ Hawk. So I need your quick answer here. Okay. Best offensive lineman in the NFL right now. Oh, gosh. Uh, Trent Williams, San Francisco. Wow. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, multi Super Bowl chant commentator, electric, handsome man, Mark Schlerer. Thank you, Mark. Hey, hey, hey. You got We have some. Breaking news as this hour unfolds in the sports world. LeBron James has agreed to a two-year, $85 million contract extendo with the Lakers via the Athletic. 
LeBron James says Sham Sarania. LeBron James contract now runs through 2023 when his son Bronny. Shout out to Bronny, by the way. Shout out, Bronny. Shout out, Bronny. When his son Bronny graduates high school and could have options to enter the NBA draft if the league and the National Basketball Players Association change the high school to pro rule, which is a lot of assumptions, obviously. I don't know <laughs> how that would happen, but hopefully it will. I would assume that LeBron and Bronny will be playing at the same time. Uh, LeBron looks to be slowing down at no time near now. And I listened to him talk the other day while he was drinking wine uh, alongside Richard Jefferson and somebody else. And he was breaking down basically this entire offseason about the players they added. They added the sixth man of the year. They added the uh, sixth man of the year runner-up onto their squad. They got a guy from the Clippers onto the Lakers now. And he said that the way they recruited him is they went and knocked on his door, which, by the way, I hope they practice social distance and they knocked mm-hmm. with a goddamn oh. six-foot pole or whatever. And uh, they said, you like what's going on over here? You should come join us. Got... So I feel like LeBron is very invested still. And proud of the fact that he is a Laker. They win one in the bubble. I don't think two years is where he's going to stop. It feels like he's potentially in this for another five to ten. Bronny is going to be in there with him. That has to feel pretty cool. It feels like uh, Frank Gore is doing the same thing with his kid that's uh, coming up through uh, Southern Miss right now. Maybe Frank Gore and his son are in a backfield someday. It feels like he's not slowing down anywhere either. And if the Jets had any fucking respect for that guy they cut him and let him go somewhere else mm-hmm. any goddamn respect 85 million dollars two-year contract extendo obviously you do the quick math 42 and a half million a year do we know what he has made since before this contract it has to be up near 500 600 million dollars oh, that'll yeah. bring him to 429 and a half million over his career that's on the court strictly yep that's not involving the old school sprite commercials he used to make you remember those sprite oh commercials? yeah he doesn't really do those anymore, so people are like, oh, yeah, his shoes and his all pizza. his other merch that he's got going on. Those Sprite oh, commercials used so to be top of the line. Congrats to LeBron uh, in getting his paper. And uh, that interview the other night alongside Richard Jefferson, whenever he it felt like he was potentially a little bit boozed up, uh, was awesome. <laughs> Joining us now is a man who's a college football national champion and a Super Bowl champion, uh, A.J. Hawk. Attaboy, A.J. How's it going, guys? How was uh, Kirk? I didn't get to see it. Awesome. Yeah? Yeah, it was a Wednesday work day. You know how Wednesdays go, especially for a position that actually has to do stuff and prepare. So he kind of snuck us in there during his lunch break or whatever, but it was nice chatting with him. I asked him about Stephon Diggs. He handled it really, really well because I think that Stephon Diggs situation was one that was pretty, you know, if you're into reality TV, interesting to watch last year because they were having success and he was still pissed off. And who who was making him angry? Who did he hate? And then he ends up with the Bills and then they inevitably get Justin Jefferson in the draft who has just been amazing or whatever. So it was it was a cool, co- cool convo. I think we're going to have him on again, hopefully, at some point. Good. I mean, I know he seems like a, like a smart dude. What year is this for him in the league? What's well, RG three? What year is it for RG three? I mean, that's like eight. That's yeah. Trick question. He got franchise tag, so he 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 was probably four years. Then he got franchise tag twice. Two thousand twelve. Right? So five and six. Then he signed a deal worth whatever. So probably nine years. Probably ninth year. Yeah, he was drafted in twenty twelve. So yeah, mm-hmm. ninth year. Okay. What well, could I mean? I'm sorry, I asked. I probably should have just typed it into the computer. <laughs> yeah, probably something. I mean, whenever you do that type of thing, it really now granted, you got you gave me a chance to display just incredible <laughs> problem solving just very very quickly there, which is something I do well. You know, there's a, a lot of things I don't do well. That is something I I do averagely. Um a friend of ours got himself into some hot shit last night, and I would like to talk about it. Herb Street. 
I would like to talk about this Herbstreit situation. I, I really would. Because the, the, if you only watched one clip of the college football rankings show that they have every single Tuesday night now that the college football playoff committee is ranking teams and everything like that, you could see how Herbstreit had to kind of you know, come out and apologize. But he addressed it on the show, but nobody was watching the show. They only saw it on the internet. We have two clips here. Uh, Zito, can you run that first clip of our guy, Herb Street, last night? I think a lot of people wanted to see where Ohio State would be. Uh, the concern on Friday and Saturday was Ohio State. Are they going to have to shut down their operation? Are they going to potentially miss the Michigan State game? Maybe miss the, the uh, of course, the Illinois game. Are they going to have enough to be able to play against Ohio or against Michigan? And, and are they going to miss the Big Ten championship? And, and how is the committee going to evaluate them? The fact that they played four games and they're still sitting there in the top four. Now it comes down to they were going to play Michigan State Saturday. I still think Michigan waves the white flag, potentially avoids playing Ohio State next week, and then, David, they'll, they'll potentially get a game on the 19th. They could be sitting there with six games. Um, and Michigan, is that fair, David? Michigan could opt out, basically, of that game and keep Ohio State out of six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. That doesn't... Okay, so that was his response to Ohio State being number four after I think they're not playing a game. They didn't play a game this past weekend. They only have four games. There's a Ryan Day has a COVID positive. And in the Big Ten, which is the, the Big Ten's, you know, ego pride of the president saying, hey, we are just considering games no contest. We're leaving no wiggle room, even though we have seen every other conference of every other sport have wiggle room, reschedule, move things around because we're dealing with something we've never seen before. The Big Ten, who wanted to get out in front and be heralded as heroes and say, we're, we care about students, we're not having a season. And then everybody else is like, well, fuck y'all, we are having a season. So they kind of had to sit on it there for a second. They're like, well, if you want season so bad, this is what we're going to do. Eight games in eight weeks, you have no wiggle room, that's on you, whatever. And now, with Wisconsin and potentially Ohio State not having enough games to get into the Big Ten championship game, the conversation is, will Big Ten have a representative in the college football playoff? So Herb Street in the college football is the voice of college football, by the way. Let's, Herb Street is the voice of college football. And the way that show is set up is, obviously, this person talks, Herbie talks, and he sent it to Pollock. And then Pollock would send it to, I think, Jesse Palmer. And then Palmer would send it to Joey Galloway. And then they would get back into a full four, like Brady Bunch setup. And Reese Davis is right in the middle hosting this entire thing. And David Pollock talked, and somebody, I was watching it live. David Pollock talked immediately after that. And he said, well, yeah, the, he, he addressed that. But Pollock already had his take ready to go for whatever he was going to talk about. And then it goes. And Reese Davis, after the other guy's talk, goes, wait a minute. Okay, this is what he said. He said, let's go. We, I should have stopped this before we even got to Pollock. Let's go back to Herb Street. He's like, did you just say that Michigan is going to say we don't even want to play and blah, blah, blah? And then Herb Street followed up with this right here. I'm just saying it, it, we live in such a strange world that I, I've talked to a lot of coaches around the country that have said they really feel teams are opting out to avoid playing games because they don't want to get humiliated. They don't want to get uh, they don't want to lose with the team that they have. They don't necessarily have too many uh, covid positives. They just don't want to have to take the field with the team they have and go get embarrassed. So they're basically waving the white flag and saying we can't play. So there's a lot of that that's being talked about around the country. I'm not suggesting I have no idea what Michigan's situation is. I'm saying they have the power to potentially say, hey, we don't we, we can't play next week. And there's nothing Ohio State could do about it if they decide to say that. That, that okay, is so, so 
Herb Street came out and further clarified his statement literally 45 seconds to a minute later. Literally, 40, it had to get around the – they had to pass the baton. And at the end of that video, if you're watching, you saw the Brady Bunch setup that they had. And you know what I mean, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So he clarified his name. He was like, I'm not saying Michigan will do that. What I'm saying is they have the option to do that. And Herb Street's only saying that. And you and I both know Herb Street. Herb Street's dialed in with everybody. So when Herb Street's speaking, it's not like Herb Street's just making this shit up. Herb Street has had connections, had sources. And he, he came out and had to apologize about how Michigan didn't tell him that. But he's hearing that from other coaches. And if you're Michigan, after the year you've had, I don't think it's unfair to say, like, if Michigan and Ohio State hatred is real, why not just go ahead and, you know, stick it to them? I'm not saying they're going to, but Herbstreit's saying this is happening, and he had to clarify his statement. He had to put out a two-minute apology. He was trending. He's still trending right now, I think, for this whole thing. But I think it got kind of got taken out of context, his follow-up. Now, he should have said his follow-up in his initial. He fucked up there for sure. But I think that's an interesting whole thing. It's like, even if you have enough players to compete, but they're not your good players, and teams are like, nah, like, yeah, we ain't doing this. And Reese Davis said, well, shame on them for doing that. If that's the case. <laughs> he gave them the old shame on you thing. It's a very interesting situation, but Herbie's found himself in some hot shit right now. Yeah, he has. And the whole situation is interesting to me. Like, I saw yesterday, I saw the apology video before I saw those two clips that you just showed. So I'm, I was coming from it from that, from the end. I'm like, all right. And I watched the apology video. And I, I was thinking, like, this is exactly how an, what an apology video should be. Like, it didn't look like he was being held hostage. He realized, like, all right, I need to clarify this. And basically, even on the show, the you know the Brady Bunch style show is that College Football Live, I, I believe, the show that he isn't on very often, actually. No, but, that's uh, the College Football Playoff Rankings rollout. It's every Tuesday night. Okay, all right. So, but that show, his follow up when Reese came back to him to try to clarify, I thought was answered beautifully like that's kind of what it was in his apology his apology was perfect because he said i made this comment about michigan with no evidence that they are doing this but what he did say in his follow-up answer was they have the power to do this like this is how much power these teams have if they want to they could they could mess with i'm not saying they're doing that but they could i'm thinking wow that's pretty interesting especially since herbie has dialed into every single coach in college football and talks to all of them so he's just relaying things he's heard he's not specifically saying Michigan's doing this, but hey, they could if they wanted to. So yeah, I mean, I think he's handled it. He's, I, I like the fact that he did his apology video seemed sincere, it seemed legit, and he was just like, hey, I messed up, but hey, here we go, let's keep going. The only thing he messed up about was saying that Michigan was going to do it. Like in his first response, he should have said, "I've been hearing from very high level coaches because that's who Herbie talks to." By the way, Herbie talks to everybody in college football, and by the way, college football is what. 85% recruiting and marketing and about 15% about how you guys play. So being dialed in with the guy who's the voice of your sport, if you're a coach, is probably a good idea. So Herbie has a good business relationship. And I'm not saying it's not a friendship, but business. Are you all right over there? You're starting to fire, goddammit. But Jeez. it's almost what Herbie did to himself last night, by the way, what you're doing <laughs> over there with your goddamn cigars. But the, um, the, the info that he's relaying, and I think that's the biggest storyline of this thing, not – not Herbie. Now, granted, Herbie should have said, I've been hearing from other coaches that there are some teams doing this in Michigan could potentially do this if they really want to screw over their biggest rival in Ohio State at the NFC. Like, that's how he should have said it. He definitely fucked that up, right? Like, that, that he, he, the way he rolled that out, he did not do it properly, okay? But he addressed it a minute later whenever Reese pushed him and the whole thing. But the big storyline out of this that I've learned is, of course coaches are doing that. Of course coaches, they have their, their like, by the way, uh, not of course, like 
I expected it to happen, but when I heard it happen, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, of course coaches are like, our team's dog shit. There's no way we're rolling the ball out there. This year doesn't count. This doesn't go towards anybody's eligibility. i sorry. We got so many, we just can't perform. You know, <laughs> we are so sorry. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, no contest this thing. We'll see you later. And the other coaches are like, well, 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 are you really? Are you you do not have enough players to field a team? Or are you strictly doing this because you don't want us to come in there and dog walk your fucking squad? Like, it, it is, it's very interesting whenever you have the teams reporting who's available and how's available to the other team. And now, granted, they're supposed to be medical experts. I'd assume these are, there's regulations in this whole thing. But I think that's a big takeaway is that teams are like, yeah, we, yeah, we definitely got enough players to play, but they ain't worth a single fuck. So we ain't doing a damn thing. That, that was the big takeaway for me. But instead, because of the way it got rolled out via Herbie, the whole storyline was Herbie said Michigan's going to wave the white flag. So where do you like? Where do you think Herbie goes? Like with Michigan fans, and I think even as apology video, he said like I've had, I take pride in twenty five years of being on TV that I'm not like a Michigan hater. I don't go after Michigan, even though I'm an Ohio State guy. Do you think Michigan fans like are they going to be able to forgive him? Michigan fans got a lot more to deal with. I think now, yeah. now <laughs> you know what I mean. Like they got a lot to deal with right now. And I've been on that Ann Arbor campus one time, and it is gorgeous. That place is gorgeous. It is. No offense, Columbus. I had a great time in Columbus, too. That was very nice. But Columbus is like classic college campus, you know? Mm-hmm. Ann Arbor is like billionaires just strolling around everywhere. It is. They got a lot more to figure out up there as opposed to whether or not Herbie, who went to Ohio State, no longer lives there and has done an incredible job. I think Ohio State fans hate him because of how – balance he's been in the entire Ohio State thing. Now, granted, Ohio State's at the top of the world a lot. They're at the top of the Big Ten, and I think Ohio State fans hate him as well for not being as much of an Ohio State bandwagon uh, alum as he probably should be in their eyes. I'm not saying all, but I, and you probably know more about this because you're in Columbus, but I feel like there are a lot of Ohio State fans who don't love how the lack of Ohio State drum pounding that uh, Kirk Herbstreit does, right? So I think this is something that will obviously come and go and move on. But it is very interesting that the Ohio State squad has four games played on the horizon, who knows how many, and they're number four in the entire college football playoff. It's like, does that college football playoff committee care at all about what you've proven or just what you probably are and could be? Because, like, if you're Cincinnati, BYU – how about the fucking Coastal Carolina shots? You know what I mean? Like anybody, you're looking at this. This team's played four games with a potential to, and they almost lost to Indiana, by the way. Almost lost to Indiana. Not that Indiana's not a good team, but these people have played four games and you got them in there. Is that because their fan base is huge? Is it because on paper they have a good squad or is it because they've already proven? And this is the same conversation that happens every year with the college football playoff. It's like, is this, is this real or is this all bullshit? I mean, go Ty. Or no, I was I was saying, Pat, like to your point about the Oh Diggs, that's tough. He called you Ty. That's tough. <laughs> that's dude. fine. All I did was I just go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure this is what Dabo's thinking too. Like when Clemson goes down to play Florida State, and Florida State's like, "Fuck, you know, it'd be terrible for recruiting." And us trying to get back to Florida State, us getting blown out by Clemson, who is our number one competitor, obviously in the ACC as far as recruiting. Like, eh, let's just hope and pray that if COVID case comes up in the meantime. Yeah, and that, by the way, that got very contentious. The Dabo Swinney Norvell situation down there with Clemson and Florida State. And if we were to piece together potential information to Herb Street, <laughs> we could probably, now this is assuming things, and I don't want to do that, but I would assume that maybe somebody in that, I would assume there's other schools where this has happened too, where Herbie said he's heard this from all over the country. So it's not just one particular team that has heard this, but the thought of, 
teams just going like, yeah, we, we definitely have enough players, but the players we have uh, stink. And it's not their fault. We thought they were going to be good players. We gave them a scholarship. They just suck. like that. So we're not going to play. You could see how the competitive advantage conversation starts playing into these whenever you talk about how transparent you are and what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. And that, by the way, that's what a lot of Steelers fans are saying about fucking Harbaugh with this whole, this whole thing. Like Harbaugh, they say that Harbaugh has pulled the strings on this entire thing to get it to Wednesday, but Harbaugh's not even using their starting running backs that they could play with. So I think that kind of theory kind of get, got debunked immediately this morning. Well, think about it though, Pat. You know how much, how, I guess, nervous and anxiety-ridden every head coach is in college football and the NFL. So if let's say a guy is – let's say you're three and two and you have a game. Yeah, there you go, puckered all the time. They all – most of them because – This is I, butthole, by the way. This is what butthole <laughs> puckered sign is immediately for all players and coaches when talking about another coach with how they're acting. It's just like, yep, asshole real tight right now. Can't even get a fart out of that thing because they're going to shit their pants. Exactly. Thank you for – Illustrating that for, for the strictly audio <laughs> listeners on Sirius, that's very nice of you to, to let people know that. But if you're if I'm Harbaugh this year and I'm with Michigan, aren't you trying to find everything any way you possibly can to play this Ohio State game? Because that could be your only shot to keep your job if you can find a way to have a massive upset against these guys. Okay, you're an Ohio State guy too, so we have to remember that. Like we have to remember that you also went to Ohio State. Now you are pretty balanced. You're fair and balanced. Now your license plate does say Ohio State Legend oh, on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's oh, right. False, but yeah, continue. We saw it. No, yeah. it is shimmering. Continue. If we want to, yeah, that's, that's your truth. I guess. Keep going. It's the truth. You, got, you have that little marijuana-looking thing on there. Mm-hmm. What is it? The, uh, the, the, the Buckeye. 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 Yeah. The little marijuana thing, and it says. Ohio State legend. I think it even says, mm-hmm. you know, I think it even says that. So we got to remember that. If I'm the Michigan Wolverines team, and now as a player, you want to play, right? Because what am I going through all this protocol if we don't have a goddamn game? I'm not just doing spring practice for the last three weeks where they just run us dry and there's no game on the line. But if you're a Michigan, you know, uh, exec or something like that, I think I'm okay with not getting blown out by Ohio State by 60 to 70 points this year. I think I'm okay with it. Now, if you can win that game somehow, I think there's there's a lot of self-awareness going on up there, though, in Michigan. Where they go. We stink. We need to change. And if we were to lose to that team south of us, that would just be the icing on a terrible cake that we've had all year. I, I do believe that is. And that's just thinking of the human side of it. Now, maybe, um, maybe they're like, yeah, let's go compete. You know what I mean? Like every day we want to compete. We want to compete against this. We want to do that, which, by the way, is kind of the epitome of everything that Reese was saying to Herb Street after Herb Street talked about hearing from teams all over the country that are saying, yeah, we have enough players to play, but they're not good players. And Reese said, shame on you for this entire thing, because that's not what collegiate athletics are. These are student human athletes, student human first before they're athletes. We're not worried about what the outcome is. We're worried about growing the student and the human and if we just go ahead and cancel games because we don't think we're good enough because the athletic competitive advantage at the end isn't good, that's kind of all bullshit. But, I mean, it's a, we could have expected this was going to happen. Like, if we were to sit down, you know, some vitamins and really do like an hour to two, forethought, what do we think is going to happen, brainstorm in this college thing, I assume at some point we get to the point where it's like, oh, coaches are going to lie about who's available, who's not available, if that game sticks, like for sure. I think we could have got to it. We didn't. But now that we're here, we're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that they would do that. 
Wouldn't that also be a very easy way for Michigan to cut bait with Harbaugh? It's like, okay, whatever. Go out there. You guys get beat by 60, and then we can can your ass immediately after after the game and kind of start the rebuild. Hey, good call there. Maybe, maybe that's what the Michigan front office or whatever. How do you – the Michigan execs, what are they? I don't know. The board, do they have a board or the president and the AD and everybody, I guess? The 75 billionaires that you see at one restaurant in Michigan and then go to the next one, they're, they're the ones that are making – it is such a nice campus, dude. I cannot – like their football team obviously stinks and everything like that, and they've, they've not performed how they're supposed to. But that campus is gorgeous up there, man. It is absolutely gorgeous. What's hey, up, Pat, But going back to what Todd just said, he's thinking, all right, wouldn't their AD and their president, if they want to move on from Harbaugh, they want to make this game happen, get them blown out. Okay, we can kick them out. But if you're Harbaugh and the competitor, don't you think he's thinking, hey, I know that's on the horizon. If I can go out and get a win, there's no way they can fire me right after I have an unbelievable upset against Ohio State. Or, hey, if we don't play this game, what, I only played four games this year, and yeah, we were bad, or five games this year, yeah, we were bad, you're going to fire me for that? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we thought Let's we were going to see that in the I didn't hear what you said there. I thought, no, I thought for NFL coaches and different places, maybe this year is like a, it buys people some time, but no, they're letting people go in the middle of COVID season. It's separating, by the way. It's separating, like, those who can and those who can't. Like, I think exposure is happening. And we were talking about this last night in the hotel. I have one of the biggest hotel rooms I've ever seen in my entire life, by the way. It is in a full apartment. There's no balcony. Foxy didn't get it? What's that? Foxy didn't get it? No, which is wild because normally Foxy would get this. It was So we had an entire uh, Mansuri, myself, and Foxy. We had a little, uh, you know, group think session up there. I think COVID-19 is exposing a lot of people that are a waste of money to businesses, right? So you're seeing a lot of people that have kind of just kind of got along but really didn't do much to add to the value of the product, right? And just for forever, it was like the standard, like this is how it goes. We need this job. We need this person. We need this person. We need this person. We need this person. And then COVID came around and everything had to go remote. And then people really started looking at things because everybody took a hit and they're like, well, we don't need this person. Turns out we don't need this person. We don't need this person. So I think it's kind of exposed a lot of positions that were potentially, you know, not as important as maybe they thought they were. Okay, and, and I think that's in all businesses. That's, that's not just football. I'm talking all businesses. They all had to kind of do a self-eval. What do we need? What do we no longer need? And that's why you see a lot of these massive companies cutting down. Like a lot of companies are just cutting down. A lot of, I don't want to say fat because these people are good people and worked very hard. But I think whenever you look at your business and realize that, oh, none of this matters here. We don't need this to really be a profitable business. There was a lot of fat potentially getting cut out of it. Okay, so I think the COVID thing has almost become uh, like an insightful thing for a lot of people to learn what they need, what they don't need. And I, just like you, thought that coaches would be given a reprieve because of how many obstacles and difficult things you got going on and how it's nowhere near a normal year. You didn't have this, you didn't have that. But I think what it has done, has it has exposed who's good and who's not, who can handle these elements and who can get their teams to do what they have to do, and who can't do it. And I think that happened in college. I think that's happening in the NFL. I assume it's happening in high school as well. I, I think there's been a lot of learning about who's worth the snuff in a lot of things uh, whenever everybody's put on the same playing field, right? We're all put on the same playing field this year. That's why the Internet businesses, like us, as soon as we saw the TV people have to go to an Internet style, we're all like, okay, now they have highlights, which is quite a weapon that we don't have. But when it comes to tech, we're all on the same playing field now. 
And I think that is kind of that has kind of been able to decipher who can and who can't. And it's not always good for the, those who can't. But I think that is why you see a lot of firing happening because it's like, well, if they can do it, why can't you? We're all in the same playing field. We're all going through the same protocols. Why don't you go ahead and boom, boom, boom? You know what I mean? And that I didn't. You probably didn't expect me to go into that deep of an answer, but we literally had that conversation less than 12 hours ago, and I was very, very, very deep into the vitamins during it, <laughs> and it just kind of went how it went. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I think a lot of people will potentially remember from the COVID is not only, you know, um, it, we hope everybody survives, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like, yeah, we hope that. But also how things have just changed dramatically in the way they're judged from before then to during to probably forever now to be honest well don't you think coaching if you want to coach for any like length of time you have to find a way to evolve with the times you can't be stuck in your ways you have to be able to adapt overcome like overcome like your roster sometimes like look what bill belichick is doing this year he doesn't have the roster he's had in the past that's for sure but he's still able to put a good product out and win some games or didn't have tom brady i should say what's your what's your problem with that who made who made the roster though bill his fault. Interesting. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. We interrupt this conversation to just remind you what you already know, and that is that FanDuel is the best sports book there is. Raven Steelers just kicked off, and I'm excited to go watch that game because I have a lot of juicy props on it. You're going to find the best odds anywhere on the internet or in any sports book at FanDuel. The best tech, it's so easy to use. I can't stress this enough. If you've never used it before, you're not much of a gambler, boom. You see a team you want to bet on, they're going to give you multiple options for how you can do that. There's a bunch of new states coming on all the time. So if you're in one of those states and you're not on FanDuel, you should be. And if your state doesn't have FanDuel yet, you know, be patient. They may be coming. Now, FanDuel has been kicking everyone in the teeth the last couple weeks. But before that, they have given away millions and millions of dollars. Different odds boosts that really don't seem smart. It's like taking candy from a baby. The best tech and one of the most friendly customer experiences you will find. We love using FanDuel here. And if you're not using FanDuel, give it a shot. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Let's get back to the show. Here we go from Daniel Valente. Your Ben Roethlisberger stats for today's matchup versus Ravens. Now that it is official, Ben is thirteen and zero at home on non Sunday games. Okay, that's because church Sunday potentially takes a little bit of uh, right. every other day. There isn't as much Jesus in there. Ben is nine and zero versus quarterbacks who have won a Heisman over the last decade. So he does hold a grudge against the big school guys because he was a Mac guy. And Ben is 4-0 in color rush jerseys. Diggs, are they wearing color rush today? Uh, they were supposed to on Thanksgiving, and I am, I have heard that it has continued throughout the week, yes. Okay, so all the odds are saying that the Steelers are going to get a win without Pouncey at center. Maybe that does make things difficult. But a 10-point spread, AJ, that feels like so many points in the middle of a – you know, I think you got a, uh, uh, you got a, a literal pointer right on my forehead here. I mean – Thank you, sir. Um, the the <laughs> ten point spread seems to be a bit too much, don't you think, AJ? I don't know, though. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. The Ravens don't have their starting the MVP quarterback, and they don't have two of their running backs. So why is ten too much? It just it's it's AFC North. It's AFC North football, AJ. You were in the AFC North with Cincinnati Bengals. Those two 
are going to slug it out. You're saying Steelers win by at least 11? No, I'm not guaranteeing that by any means. I don't know what RG3 is going to look like. That's what I'm most, uh, I guess I'm most curious about. If that he's, He has some magic in him. I played against him when he was in Washington. Like, that dude can play. Like, I don't know if he still can, but he could at one point. Did you see him throw a ball off a palm tree on the internet? No. Oh, oh dude. He's spinning it. That's right. I think that's why I think maybe it's too much. I think 10's too much because I saw that video and I'm like, oh, this dude's still got it. Let's go to uh, Chuck in Chicago here before we get to our sports show segment. We got a sports show segment coming up that I can't wait for people to do. Chuck, what do you want to talk about, pal? Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, this is Chuck. I remember you. Chuck, great to hear from you again. Oh, yeah, man, good. I got a question (laughs) for Roger Goodell. I want to ask for an official conference transfer for Chicago Bears to the NFC East. We can get traded from all the teams suck, but we need a team in the NFC East to have a winning record, mm. and the Bears need to make the playoffs. Yeah, y'all would fit in there, too, because you fucking stink. That would fit it. That makes a lot of sense, by the way. If I'm the Bears, I'd be thinking the same damn thing. And thanks for the call, Chuck. I enjoy when Chuck from Chicago calls in there. And I assume there's a lot of fan bases that are looking at that NFC East team, and there's going to be, you know, a home playoff game out of the NFC East. And we've watched that NFC East try to play football all year. It is not great. Uh, but the last two times this has happened, what? They said it on Monday Night Football the other night. Seahawks and Panthers, maybe? Uh, Seahawks and somebody else, and they both won their playoff game. So imagine this NFC East being a laughing stock since, what, week two, probably week three, mm-hmm. and then they win a home playoff game whenever this whole thing pops off. That would be sad, but it's the way the NFL set up, and the NFC East happens to be the absolute dog shit this year. Yeah, if you're a team that uh, has to go to the NFC East and play in that first round of the playoffs against whoever the winner is, uh, do you want that game? Because you're like, hey, these guys are not probably not the caliber team that the rest of the playoff teams are, but if we lose to them, we're probably all getting fired. Uh, Speaking of getting fired, Anthony Lynn has told his players today that this is coming out of uh, Twitter. Daniel Popper, uh, Daniel R. Popper, who is a Chargers beat writer at The Athletic, he just tweeted – Anthony Lynn said he told his players today that the playoff hunt is probably not going to happen this season. No. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is wrong one here, Zito. I mean, oh, but the, um, the, the Daniel R. Popper, there's not, Zito, that's not your fault, by the way. you got got 100 things going on back there. But the tweet from Daniel R. Popper about Anthony Lynn saying uh, to his players today that the playoff hunt is probably not going to happen this season goes against literally everything I've ever heard from a coach. Uh, the thing about head coaches is even when things aren't going well, and I saw Joey Bosa's mic'd up, by the way. He is a absolute savage on the football field. I love the way that guy plays football. He actually screamed at one point while flexing that he was a fucking beast. He actually <laughs> screamed after doing that, and uh, he got into it a couple of different times. He had a massive game, three sacks, fumble recovery, or four sacks, fumble recovery. He had a big game here where they uh, weren't able to cover, cover because – Inevitably, the quarterback went up for a quarterback sneak, and uh, everybody thought it was uh, still a shotgun play uh, with no time left on the clock because they didn't handle the clock well or whatever. But coaches' jobs are to continue to keep their players motivated. Like, that is that is literally what your job is. So at this point, I don't know the playoff. Can we look at the AFC playoff picture? Uh, Zito, can you pull that up? We do have that graphic. The thought that the head coach just looks at the boys and goes, hey, listen, boys, it's been tough here, hasn't it? Got a lot of COVID, got a lot of shit going on. Well, it's about to get even worse. We got no shot making the goddamn. <laughs> so, just if you want to hang it up, hang it up. Do what you got to do. That's wild to me, man. And, and it, it seems inevitable here. And I'm sure Anthony Lynn's a good guy. He was a uh, great barbecue. 
guy there, first episode of Hard Knocks and all that, it, it seems like the writing's on the wall. There's no way that's the guy you want handling Justin Herbert's incredible career that could happen. But seems that just doesn't feel like the right thing a head coach would say to somebody. That just that doesn't feel like the right thing, don't you think? Yeah, but I want to I want to get confirmation from Anthony Lynn though. Like they're not technically like they, they can still mathematically make the playoffs, right? Well, especially if there's a week 18 with 16 teams, you could sneak in the back door. I mean, there there's so many things that could still happen. There's still there, literally with COVID. That's why a head coach telling us now. Daniel Popper said. Anthony Lynn said. This is what Daniel Popper. Now, did we know this Popper guy existed before? What a minute and a half ago? Absolutely not. No. But Daniel Popper writes for the Athletic. He's a Chargers beat writer. He says Anthony Lynn said. Not that the players said Anthony Lynn said this, or a source told him. Anthony Lynn said he told his players today that the playoff hunt is probably not going to happen this season, boys. Now, mm-hmm. he doesn't know if this is going to be a 16-team playoff setup that we've never had before. He doesn't know if an entire team maybe is not going to be able to play a couple games because he has no idea. That's a wild – hey, I like the, the harsh reality that Anthony Lynn said. This is our reality here, boys. Okay, we, we stunk. We lost 10 <laughs> games by seven or less points. And, yeah, maybe that's my fault, but you guys couldn't figure it out either, and now we don't have a playoff. So – if you want to start scheduling your offseason, go ahead and start doing it. All right. The protocol is only a few more weeks. Let's get through it. And then we'll be on to 2021. That's just, I don't know if that's the head coach that you want leading your squad. With five with five games left, uh, they are four games behind the seventh seed if it's uh, seven teams from each conference and three games behind the Baltimore Ravens, who are the eighth seed uh, if it's a eight team. Still alive. I remember watching Chuck Pagano dance around every potential. And say what you want about Chuck Pagano. I enjoyed him. I thought he was hilarious. I'm having a little smoke brisket right now. I think it was roasted mm-hmm. slow roasted for maybe 16 hours. Smell it from here. It's unbelievable. But Chuck Pagano would dance around every possible scenario that we had all the way up until the final weeks. All right, boys, listen. Listen, wouldn't you be shick, though, if we need this team to win, this team to win, this team to tie? What if that all happens and we don't do our job and we don't make the playoffs because of that? Wouldn't we be shick if that was the case and it was like, yeah, I guess we would be. But, like, that is that is literally, like, I think a big part of head coaching is keeping your boys who've been in the Groundhog's Day routine here for five months now motivated. You still have everything in front of you until you're 100% eliminated. A la the Jets, the Jags, who are starting Skycam over Gardner Minshew, who is available to come back to start Mike Glenn. Until you are mathematically eliminated, isn't the job of a head coach to figure out ways to – Continue to see this. The more and more I think about it, it's why I wish I would have been in that room. I'm like, oh, oh we're fucking out. All right. We got no- well, I'm not going to practice today then. Um, Fernando Ramirez at Real F Ramirez. Chargers coach Anthony Lynn says the playoff hunt probably isn't going to happen at this point. Eight and eight is the best we can do. And I don't think that's going to be good enough. All right, so fucking Anthony Lynn is now doing a uh, playoff projections. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, that's wild. That's a wild move. Um, we're a sports talk show, and there's other sports talk shows out there that we enjoy. A lot of incredible personalities, people that speak with good brains and everything like that. And uh, Boston Connor wanted to have a segment, so we got him a segment called Questions from Other Sports Shows, and me and AJ will battle it out. Zito, do you have the open for this? Yes. Welcome to Questions from Other Sports Shows. 
Can't believe we did that. What do we got today, Connor? Gentlemen, let's keep it clean as always. Uh, I teased this question earlier pretty perfectly, but uh, are you surprised that Aaron Rodgers is still using off-season headlines to motivate himself? This comes from First Things First. That was wild. I saw that this morning whenever I woke up. And uh, them saying, are you surprised that Aaron Rodgers is using off-season headlines um, to motivate himself here? Now we're in week 12 or week 13. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is using these things to motivate himself. I think whatever he gave the answer, what he was saying is, hey, here's a, here's a matter of fact. There's a lot of people talking out of pocket whenever that Jordan Love draft pick happened. Now, a lot of people are saying that he was taking a shot at the Green Bay Packers organization. I don't think he was doing that. I think what he was taking a shot at was the reaction of the Green Bay Packers draft pick of Jordan Love about how Aaron Rodgers is way past his prime and he's dead. I assume Aaron, who is a man who I think knows what's going on, I think he has a pretty good uh, feel of the pulse of everything that's happening in the world, saw a lot of that. And whenever he got a chance to talk about it, he said, you know what? A lot of people said I was dead. I remember reading it. I am not. I don't know if he uses it in motivation as more so of I remember when a lot of these dumbasses who get paid a lot of money to talk about stuff we're saying that I was not I was dead because Jordan Love came here. I don't think he was taking a shot at the Packers organization. I don't think he uses it as motivation. I think Aaron Rodgers has enough chips on his shoulder. I think he is that type of guy. But I, I, the question of are you surprised that Aaron Rodgers is still using it, it's like, no. Like, if somebody tells you you suck, like, that is a perfect piece of motivation. I'm not surprised at all by that entire thing, AJ. Well, who would ever be surprised by something that from this past offseason, like, oh, oh, my gosh, this – Five and a half months later, this guy is still using this as motivation. It's not like a daily thing where he sits up and looks at his little journal of all the different journalists he hates and, oh, yeah, don't like this guy. But how many times, though, do you watch a game right now, Pat, and Tom Brady's in, what, his 20, 21st season, and they always talk about where he was drafted. And he's always had that chip on his shoulder. I'm like, are we surprised that Tom Brady's still using his draft position as motivation? Huh. Uh, no, we're not. They're, Tom Brady's probably still using motivation from some coach when he was five years old, I told him he throws terrible. When he has terrible form, like he probably still remembers that dude every time he throws a touchdown pass. So, no, this is what athletes do, especially if you're a quarterback in the NFL. I think the majority of them have a long list of people that they're sticking every single touchdown to. And also, especially whenever you get that far in your career, like you, you have to find things. You know also, I mean? you have to- think about it, though. Think about that, though, Pat. If you're a quarterback in the NFL and you're established somewhat, you could have 10 great games in a row. You play one bad game, and there's there's a chunk of people writing you off. You're terrible. they got to get rid of you. Oh, his time has come. This guy's too old. Like, that happens to these quarterbacks. Like, every week could be an absolute roller coaster if they let it. What did Drew Brees tell us, Ty, down at the Super Bowl? Whenever I uh, I started at, I asked him a question about all the things that are said. I was like, do you use that as motivation or whatever? And he said, I'll take all the bullets. Like, I'll definitely yeah. use it. Like, I will use them. Like, and, and now, granted, what happened after that conversation with Drew Brees is – you know, has gone down in history with uh, <laughs> with Ty Schmidt even taking a shot at him just yesterday in a conversation with Aaron, by the way. But Drew Brees even acknowledged it. He was like, I'll take all the bullets that are coming at me. Anything that will get me, I'll do that. So I guess the answer is no for this. But I think it's hilarious that the, the way the question was posed, you know what I mean? Like he's using off-season headlines, like as if they're looking down at him. Like this guy is using off-season headlines. It's like <laughs> – yeah, you guys all told him he was fucking dead and that Jordan Love was going to take his goddamn spot to kick him and throw the ball into a goddamn net. I mean, like, yes, I would use that if I was him. But I, the angle now that today is that he was taking shots at the – because there's not a lot of accountability. Mm-hmm. So now the angle is that he was taking shots at the organization. There's no way he could have been taking shots at us. No, no, he was taking shots at the 
Green Bay Packers organization. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 that's what it was, dude. What's the next question, Connor? The Can't s- wait to hear this one. The second question comes from Good Morning Football. It is regarding a trust scale, gentlemen. And this is on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do the, you trust these teams? Let's get the AFC North to step on the scale. From a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you trust the Cincinnati Bengals? That's that's next to a zero for me. I I think we're gonna go big goose egg on the trust scale there. Whoa! Uh, they don't have they don't have an indoor practice facility. Okay, so you automatically got to be a little bit leery of a team that doesn't seem to care if their players like playing there or enjoy going to work or want to put in extra work in the middle of a goddamn blizzard, which I think is happening right now in the Midwest. I mean, I'm down mm-hmm. here in Florida; it's cold, but I think you guys are in the middle of a blizzard up there. Oh, yeah. Probably not a lot of extra reps happening. Uh, after practice, whenever there's no indoor facility. Who knows if Zach Taylor's going to be the head coach going forward. And uh, Joey Burrow got uh, killed more than once this season. So my trust level for the Bengals is a zero. Are we doing the rest of the AFC North here, Connor? Uh, I mean, we can just go right to the Ravens-Steelers tonight and just uh, get your uh, gauge on how you guys trust these two teams. Yeah, we could do that, but we could also just roll through all of them. The Browns, for me, uh, they're, they're – you know, after talking to Jarvis – much higher than it was before. Like I'm a big Jarvis Landry guy. I trust them to do what they're going to do. One ten's going to be tough. Ravens. I think I'm at like a six seven with them. I'm at a six Ooh. or seven with the Ravens, just strictly because I don't know how the culture is over there. There's been a lot of things that have been leaking out that seem like the culture is not the same as it once was. Being a Raven used to be a very large deal. Now you got guys tweeting about how they're not getting the ball. Lamar Jackson saying he, they know what's coming. There's a fight at uh, midfield. It's not between the players and the other players. It's players and the coaches. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe they'll be able to turn around today at 340 with RG triple sticks. Uh, and the Steelers, my trust level is 9 to 10. 10 probably. I think they figure out how to win. They had that Gary Gilbert game or whatever. But it feels like that Steelers team is built to win. What do you think about the AFC North, AJ? So trust them for what? What am I trusting them with? Yeah, I'm your not life, sure that your life, not, dude. Your life. Mm-hmm. My life, I don't trust any of them with my life. I don't count on them to protect me. <laughs> well, you should. Fair enough. All zeros. Well, okay. How about let me go the through, segment? Let me go through the teams. I'm going to run through all four teams real quick. Bengals, obviously, no, you can't trust them. Browns, zero. Tiny bit of trust. Four and a half. I, do, I love Jarvis. I just don't know. You got to prove it, I you think. You did it. You got to show. Wow. Then Ravens, did, you, I'm at a five with them probably. Steelers, wow. I'll give them a nine. So, wow. Yeah. You did the oh, segment. Boy. You did the segment. Yay! We thought it was going to be all zeros with the way you led off there, right? Because you said you don't trust any of them. But then all of a sudden, we started getting real numbers out of you. I didn't even give the Browns a number. So you did that segment more than I did. That a boy, AJ. Wow. Yeah, AJ. Uh, what's the last question, Connor? Last one we got. Bruce Arian said that Tom picks the plays before the game in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage. Are you guys buying that TB12 has full control over the Buccaneers' offense. This comes from undisputed. No, he doesn't have control. This was wild whenever I heard this. Because the fact, like, I respect undisputed, but I I respect all these shows. I enjoy good entertainment. They don't do their shows like we do their shows. But some of the the reason why we're doing a segment is because some of the questions are so fucking stupid. It's hard to... But that's what they got to do whenever you got to talk about something every single day. So I understand that. And we'll probably get to that point at some point whenever we've run out of it. Um... But uh, are you buying the TB12 has full control over Bucks offense? It, it, this is wild if this is continuing to happen, right? I guess Bruce said that he picks the plays before the game that he likes. That happens with every quarterback, by the way. The, they'll, they'll give him uh, uh, plays, and they'll be like, hey, this is, these are the ones I like in this first down, third and long here. This is the plays I like. 
Um, then they're saying in between series, Tom is saying what plays he likes. I think that happens with every quarterback too. I don't, I don't think that is out of the norm. Like I think it's very normal. The thought though, that there's a potential narrative going on that Tom Brady is actually calling the plays and doing all that. I don't know if that's anywhere near accurate. Like, I don't know if that's anywhere near. And if that is a narrative that's being pushed by anybody, that's obviously to probably cover somebody's ass if that's being happening. But I don't think that's happening down there. What's Byron Leftwich doing if Tom Brady's calling plays? Um, and if they have success, then then you have to give Tom Brady credit. Then if that's it's like I just don't think Tom Brady's calling the offense like what is kind of being implied with the question. No, that's what they used to do back in the day, like when Johnny Unitas played. Like they called all the plays. Like they, they called the offense, but quarterbacks haven't done that for a long time. The only time quarterbacks now call the whole offense is when usually when they get in like a two minute drill. That's why you see Aaron loves the two minute because he can kind of pick the plays. You don't have time to radio it in. But if Tom's picking the stuff pregame, he's saying, Yeah, these are what I like during the game, of course. Hey, this is what they're giving us. This is what I think may work. Cool, let's do it. They're still radioing in the call to his helmet. Like he's not going through his, the list in his head of the Rolodex of the 200 possible plays and, and picking it out. I would, and maybe in two minutes, I'm sure he probably runs the show there. But does he not have a speaker in his helmet then? Do you do you say, hey, our quarterback doesn't need it because he's calling the plays. Let's put it in the center's helmet so we can get him some some key uh, valuable information during the game? Isn't it interesting, too, because then because the, the big question about everybody is, why aren't they running the ball? Why aren't they doing play action? And then if the narrative that's getting out is that, well, Tom's calling other plays, it's like, so Tom doesn't want to run the ball or play action. That makes no sense for the last 20 years of watching him play quarterback. It's just, I don't know, the, the, the push that it's Tom. Tom's taking a lot of blame for everything down there. And I guess that's what happens though when you're the GOAT, by the way. That's heavy as the head to where's the GOAT. You know what I mean, dude? This <laughs> <laughs> is the way it's going to go. Hey, Connor, another great segment out of you, buddy. You teased it terribly in the, in the first hour, but this is a good segment out of you. Yeah. Hey, baby Connor. Let's go. Okay, hey, baby Connor. Hey, baby Connor. And shout out to all those other sports shows for giving us something that we're probably supposed to do without us having to actually do it because we're not great at it. All right, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of our guests, Kirk Cousins, Mark Schlereth, AJ Hawk. And thank you to all of you for listening and watching, tweeting at us. Uh, We appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you. And we will see you tomorrow. Cheers.